This is a show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve Him and their neighbor, for whom the words of the Creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for those like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. We're talking today with Sister Nancy Usselman, who is the director of Pauline, the Pauline Center for Media Studies in Culver City, California. She's a media literacy education specialist, a theologian, an international speaker, film and TV reviewer, and author of the award-winning theology of popular culture called A Sacred Look, Becoming Cultural Mystics. She's a doctoral candidate in ministry at the Catholic University in America in Washington, D.C., in the area of liturgical catechesis and holds degrees in communication arts and a master's of theology of the arts from Fuller Theological Seminary, also in California. She holds numerous certificates and has extensive experience in the creative aspects of social media, print media, radio, and video production, as well as marketing, advertising, and so much more. They don't call them the media nuns for nothing. She's a daughter of St. Paul. Sister, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you so much, TL, for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to be with you. I uh, I was uh, scrolling through OSV News and came across this news story about a, uh, a Zoom retreat that you were doing over the course of Lent. Of course, the first session has already passed. The Zoom series online for people all across the country, actually around the world. That's the last session, we had people from India, from Trinidad. <laughs> so we have people from all different parts of the, of the world actually joining us. So Okay. Um, yeah, that's open to whoever. And we will put a link to the registration for this series up online on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on threads. The handle is also at step outside the walls. One of the popular things that people think about as they're getting ready to have this Lenten practice of, of preparing to draw near to the beloved at Easter is what do I do to get rid of the distractions in my life? And of course, one of the first things that pop into people's mind is I'm going to get off social media. I'm going to get away from all these other forms of media. We see all the the people put on their um, profile pictures, gone for Lent. Uh, And it, it strikes me as interesting. I certainly understand the drive behind it. But I think back to Pope Benedict XVI in October of 2009. He gave this address to the Pontifical Council for Social Communications. And he said, it's not enough to use the media simply to spread the Christian message in the church's authentic teaching. It's also necessary to integrate that message into the new culture created by modern communications. In this way, he says, the church exercises that which can be defined as the diaconate of culture on today's digital continent, using its means to announce the gospel, the only word that can save the human being. And I think so often we think of social communications and and social media and all of this other as consumers, this thing that we are participating in and that we are receiving from, but the church is calling us to view social media in a much more missional way of what, how we are engaging with others through this social media. So I'm assuming based on your expertise that you are not spending this online um, zoom retreat, telling people to get offline for Lent. Tell me your thoughts. Well, it's funny. Um, no, I'm not doing that exactly during the Lenten series. It's called I Faith. What's God have to do with my media? Uh, it's basically uh, addressing young adults, specifically 20, 30-year-olds, um, to, to really discover ways, not just to say during Lent, um, I'm going to do away with this, or 
I'm trying to find a particular Lenten penance to help me through this journey. Uh, and I say, let's integrate our faith with our media experience in a much more concrete and intentional way. And um, in, in doing that, we're actually helping them to become a media mindful that is to really integrate faith values with their me their secular media experience. And we do that um, by helping them to ask the questions of the media messages, but also we do it within a prayerful aspect of Cinema Divina, which is like Lexion Divina, but like in divine reading, but we use uh, it with film and television and video games and social media, any visual media, a divine viewing. And mm -hmm. we use it connected with scripture and allow them to really reflect the faith values connected with, let's say you're watching Ted Lasso or you're watching The Bear or you're watching Lessons in Chemistry um, series on TV right now, or you're, you're binge watching all the Oscar nominees because you want to know what they are before the Oscars air, right? Um, whatever it is, it's an opportunity to really step back and reflect a little bit about what we're engaging with and evaluating it according to our values and especially according to gospel values. And to be able to talk about that with others is pretty transforming for a lot of people because it's not a normal thing that they would do, right? Mm -hmm. You know, talk about it with scripture and, and, you know, to talk about Ted Lasso or talk about Better Call Saul, which we're going to talk about next week <laughs> in the series. So um, I, it's really getting them to discuss that together. And and I'm really just providing the tools. Uh, but it's kind of funny what you said about fasting from the media and a lot of people fasting in. Actually, I'm writing a book about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's in process. It'll probably come out early next year. But, um, and it's precisely that, that we can eliminate certain apps or maybe anything that may be troublesome for us. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm playing that video game way too long and I just need to pull back from it for a while. Or it could be just limiting our time, you know, maybe we realize that we're scrolling on social media for hours. Maybe we need to say, I'm just going to check my feed for, you know, 15 minutes and that's it. So there's ways to do fasting that doesn't necessarily mean doing without all our media because that's almost impossible, right? We, we live with it. We work with it. It's part of our lives. Uh, but we have to become more conscious of it mm -hmm. Intentional and more conscious it. of our in our of our own needs and especially of our spiritual needs. What am I doing with my time? Can I spend a little bit of that time in prayer instead? You know, what am I replacing it with when I say I'm going to fast from my media? Do I replace it with something else? Because it's too easy to go back to our own old patterns once the fast is over, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to find uh, spiritual tools and concrete media literacy tools that will help us not get caught in that same cycle or pattern or behavior that we are trying to overcome. Yeah. Thinking about this, this film, the, the cinema Divina, um, there is a, a, 
maybe a temptation for us all to spend, to, to segment out our consumption of media, right? This is the, this is the good and the holy media. And then I've got all this other stuff that I, that I watch as a guilty pleasure. Um, growing up for me, you know, there was the Christian music and then there was that secular music that we never, that we never listened to. Uh, I, uh, and so I look at that and think, um, that certainly there's something good to be said for being intentional about the things that we consume. Uh, but to completely separate ourselves out and to create in some ways a subculture and a, it puts us, I think at a place where we limit our ability to be cultural witnesses and our ability to be, I love the term that you use the cultural mystics to be able to look at and identify with the things that are out in the world that are popular in the world. And to say, like Paul at the Areopagus in the book of Acts, I see that you're a very religious people. Let me connect with you over this thing and connect it to something that's very intriguing to you. Um, that if we simply segment ourselves away from that media, we lose the ability to, to see the good in everything and to make those connections where people have seeds of faith. Exactly, exactly. That's really important. And this is what I try to do and what I teach when I go around and give workshops and presentations and spiritual retreats. It's really helping people to see that God's grace is at work in everything, even in our popular media culture. Uh, is everything great and good? No, not, not. But I mean, there is evil present everywhere, right? There's evil present even in the storytelling and in the culture. But can we find seeds of the gospel and grace in some of the storytelling of the culture? Mm -hmm. And I say, yes, we can definitely. And I don't say run away from it or just, you know, keep it as far away as possible or only watch religious minded media or Christian media. I mean, those are good things too. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of The Chosen. I've seen The Chosen. I mean, I have a friend in, in you know, I'm a friend in Jonathan Rumi, so I'm going to watch The Chosen. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not the only thing I'd see. Um, and I, I really encourage people to say, step back and look. And that's why I say we need a mystical lens because we need to bring our faith experience, our relationship with God, our transformative relationship with God, into every experience of life. And that includes within our media experience. And when we put that lens on, we begin to see deeper, not maybe a little bit beyond the superficial uh, of the storyline. We may agree with something, some things align with our gospel values, some things don't. But if we go deeper, we begin to see the hungers and yearnings of humanity, those existential desires that every human being has. And it's not something that we talk about in everyday conversation. Mm -hmm. These are the desires that perhaps hit us at very pivotal moments of our lives. Maybe when we're down into in the muck is mm -hmm. when we start wondering what is the purpose of our lives? Why do we exist? Um, and maybe, and we see this played out in the stories of the culture, right? Uh, what is the purpose of our lives, but also the need for communion, for connection, for intimacy, for for true and authentic self-giving love. 
And when we look at those and we notice those yearnings, that can be our starting point for dialogue with someone who may not have faith, Mm -hmm. but who is watching this TV series or the, the streaming series or or this movie that's out there, or I mean, you could talk about Avengers uh, on and nausea, right? But we could pull out aspects of grace and and sacrifice and um, and communion, working together. Um, there's so many elements uh, that are opportunities for us to go deeper with people and, and leading them really to recognize that Christ is the answer to all these desires. You know, we may be searching in the culture for what for what can fulfill us, but we know ultimately is Christ. Yeah. But our starting point is not with Christ, like St. Paul said, right, in the Areopagus in Athens. He didn't start with Jesus, the Son of God, who died and rose. He started with, let me tell you about that unknown God yeah. that you have an altar there for. And, you know, let's start. He who created the universe, the stars and the sun, you know, and the, and the moon and the sky— let, let's let's start there. Mm-hmm. And that's the same for us. I think we have to start with what people know, what people are familiar with. And I mean, we can be communicating the gospel to faithful Christians. Absolutely. We all need to constantly be evangelized. But so often I think we then forget about those who are not evangelized, those who yeah. do not know Christ or who have put their faith aside for whatever reason. Cultural stories can be a good starting point. All truth is God's truth, right? right. Anything that we see that out of, that's out in the world that's good and beautiful and true, it connects right. in some way to the divine. And, and I think not only do we have these stories out there that that help us to identify and connect with um, with, with those around us in our culture as a means and a bridge into deeper conversations. But I also don't want to discount the the role of secular stories to connect to something deep within us that we might not have otherwise thought about. So exactly, let's jump over to with without recommending or suggesting people go watch something. Let's go jump over to the the concept of Ted Lasso. So here we have this this fun and lighthearted show that's well written, and we get about four or five, six episodes in, and we recognize that this is not a Pollyanna story at all, but it's a person dealing with deep grief and trying to navigate through this uncertain sense of self and fear of abandonment that, that if we just discounted it as, you know, at face value, or we just used it to be able to find points of connection with others, we might miss something very true that we could learn about ourselves or about our loved ones. Absolutely. um, That, that just from it's certainly not a a story with Christian morals or values uh, right. throughout, but there is a sense of the good and the beautiful and the true being pointed at through the human condition through this masterful storytelling that we can't just use I think that media as a tool, but we have to allow it to tell its full story so that we can come to understand ourselves and our place in the world. Absolutely. Well, I I'm a, I definitely see it that way. I've been myself have been um, evangelized by a secular movie, and that was Shawshank Redemption. When I first saw it, when I was a novice, <laughs> and we were watching it together as a group of novices, and I get like, wow, like this is what 
this is what hope really means. Like we are hoping for something so that is beyond us. And yet we are desiring. And that, that, that movie transformed me anyway, but back to Ted Lasso. Absolutely. I find it so refreshing. I mean, even it's not perfect and he's not yeah. perfect, but there's something very refreshing about the story uh, of someone who is constantly being put down, constantly being ridiculed uh, for not knowing anything about soccer. And yet he's the, you know, the coach of a premier soccer league in, in England. Like that's ridiculous, right? Yet he does know the human person and he does know leadership and he knows how to work with people. And I think in so many ways, he is like an example in some ways a Christ figure because he he knows how to sacrifice himself for others. He knows how to draw out the good in others when others are, when everyone else sees only bad in a person. He knows how to draw out the good. Um, and in so many ways, isn't that Christ? Christ draws out the good in every human person. Um, that that's that's what's refreshing about Ted Lasso. Um, and at the same time, he is he is not smug. He's not arrogant. Uh, he's humble. And and yet realizes he doesn't know everything, but. You know, hey, you know, so what? I I, I do what I know, <laughs> and he and he brings them his team on, on on to being a winning team. You know, it's because because he believes in people, and I love that side. You know, believe right. he puts it on the in the in the locker rooms. And I said, yes, it's not necessarily a faith a belief in Christ, but he's saying believe in something that's beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. He's pulling them. To, to recognize that it's not just all about you <laughs> individually, especially a few of the, of the characters. Anyway. Well, there's also this great sense uh, sticking with this particular show of, of an example of how to be winsome. And we as, as missionary disciples and as evangelists need to have that quality about us to be able to look to, at someone in the face of ridicule and to receive them with joy and to still be uh, curious and winsome to that person to say, you know, you're not fitting my expectation of you. So even if we get beyond the typology, just by way of example of how to be irenic is uh, something that, that, that I think that that show produces very well for us. Absolutely. Yes. I love his line. Be curious, not judgmental. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very it's very wise uh, because in our culture, we are, we are judgmental. <laughs> it is easy to be judgmental if we just follow the the everyday uh, cultural trends. Uh, and he's kind of this, in some ways, anti-cultural trend uh, by, by what he was saying. And I, I just love how uh, Ted Lasso brings all that out in, in a very human way, a very uh, a way that we can all connect to him. Um, but there's many series and there's many movies and there's many visual, uh, you know, experiences out there that that have these little elements of the gospel or seeds of the gospel or elements of grace present. And that's what I hope to help people to go deeper into reflecting on. them. So it's not just that we absorb the ideologies of the culture, 
you know, um, you know, and there are some ideologies even in Ted Lasso that it's like, okay, I could do without that, right? right? But we don't just sit there and absorb all that, but we we look for the good, we take the good, we leave the rest, and we we meditate really and reflect deeply on what is the good message? What is the message that is helpful for me? And what is a message that I could help others understand as well? And you bring up a point there that we don't have to take everything. Um, but I, I think that so often we are accustomed to ignoring anything that is not overtly religious, that we miss the fact that God's fingerprints can be found everywhere. And even when even when humans get involved and maybe twist a few things up, there's still the presence because we have each of us has this infinite appetite for good and beauty and truth. And so we're going to seek to fulfill that in some way. And we can find those seeds of good, goodness and beauty and truth in every story and draw those out just in the same way with going back to the, uh, the area, the Areopagus, there is a hunger and a desire for worship. And so even though these people had created structures and idols and systems of worship that were not in keeping with the the one God, they still had the echoes and the shadows of that that can be then those points of connection to those things. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's why St. Paul is so awesome. <laughs> that's why he's our patron. <laughs> um, it's because he is an example of, a, of an evangelizer who who did not wait for people to come to him. Right. He went out and sought people out, sought people where they were in their everyday lives, wherever they were working, wherever they were living. Uh, he traveled to them. And I think if we think about that, our Areopagus, our, uh, our traveled road right now is in a popular media culture. Um, this is where... This is where people are receiving information and ideas and where opportunities for communication happen. And so we can't ignore that. We can't just think it's all bad. Uh, I mean, and guarantee, like I said, I, I know people in Hollywood. I worked with people in Hollywood um, and people have told me there are uh, there are sets and they're, they're where they're working on, where it's just they felt the presence of evil. And I said, totally understand that and i believe that it's not all beautiful right but there are but that's not every show and that's not every experience i think we just have to be you know when we it's too easy to say oh just hollywood is horrible and everything they're doing is terrible um actually i know a lot of really good christian people good catholics working in hollywood mm -hmm. who are really trying to do their part to tell really good stories yeah. and stories that uplift stories that inspire um, stories that bring a message of hope. And and I think they're doing it. Just look at uh, George Clooney's film that came out at Christmas, The Boys in the Boat. Yeah. How inspiring that is. And what a great family film it is. There could have been all kinds of things put in that story, but they didn't. And they left it very much an opportunity for, for families to watch together. And I think it's beautiful. And it's a beautiful story. Now, it's one thing to be uh, a discerning consumer of media and to be a discerning consumer of media for the purpose of 
connection and and evangelization and so forth. But we also, as missionary disciples, have a story to tell. And one of the ways that we can do that successfully, and the, one of the ways that the daughters of St. Paul do that successfully, is through media literacy and media engagement. Um, what kinds of things and processes do we need to go through to become better storytellers ourselves, whether that be face-to-face one-on-one or whether that be beginning to engage in the, the professional storytelling of the media that we see today? Um. Well, I think it begins um, with, like you mentioned, discernment. And discernment comes also with an awareness of our spiritual needs and spiritual life. Uh, Discernment is a skill that needs practice. It's not something we're born with. We have to grow in that. Uh, And I think we're growing in it in all our lives to, to really help ourselves make really good decisions based on our faith values based on what we uh, truly hold and value in our lives. And especially if we're being missionary disciples of Christ, we have to see how, how do our actions, how do our words, our, our comments, our, our thoughts align with what Christ teaches. And for us to be able to live Christ, to, to not only just follow him and what he's teaching, but to really have a conformity to Christ where we are one with Christ. Like St. Paul says, it's no longer I live, it's Christ who lives in me. We're all called to that same intimacy with God, with with Christ, that it's no longer I live, it's Christ who is in me. We need to bring that, um, that spiritual vision to our media experience, our secular media experience. So it does take a prayer life. It does take discernment skills for us to constantly be asking questions of the media and, you know, realizing, yeah, that's not exactly, it's too bad that part of the movie has that in it, but it doesn't discount the rest of the movie. There's got to be, there's still something that it's trying to communicate. Um, But we have to be discerning, perhaps some people can't handle war films, and I have sisters in my community that won't watch any war movies with me. Uh, I grew up watching war movies with my dad, all these old World War II movies. I think I, I watched all of those black and white movies. And um, we had we had a lovely time watching it together. But I think so, not that it desensitized me, it just made me aware of what the story is really, and that there's so much inspiring, uh, there's so many inspiring stories when it comes to people who are in such dire situations and in such terrible situations like war. And I I find them uh, that I can draw out something for myself, you know, to live by, but also to help others. So, but we have to be discerning and knowing what we can handle and what other people can handle. So uh, that's why each to, to decide for ourselves is really important. We're talking today with Sister Nancy Usselman, who is the director of the Pauline Center for Media Studies in Culver City, California. Don't miss out on her Linton Zoom retreat, I Faith, What's God Have to Do with My Media? We've got a link to that registration over on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. 
Don't go anywhere. There's much more to come right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. We're talking today with Sister Nancy Usselman, the director of the Pauline Center for Media Studies in Culver City, California, part of the Daughters of St. Paul. We're talking today about a couple of things, but mainly about how we engage with the media. She's got a lovely book out called A Sacred Look, Becoming Cultural Mystics. Uh, we've been talking about some of the principles around that idea. She's also right in the middle of a Linton Zoom series. We've got a link for you to register over on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. That, uh, that Zoom talk uh, series of four, there's only three left, so you got to jump on it real quick. Uh, it's called I Faith. What God, what's God have to do with my media? Uh, they're 90 minute Zoom sessions, and you can learn more about it again at the link over on our social media. Uh, Sister Nancy, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So the Daughters of St. Paul are uh, are known for being a media organization. Blessed, yes. uh, Blessed James Alberioni talked about using the most current methods of modern communication, because at the time it was uh, only books. And of course, y'all have expanded drastically since that time uh, in order to spread the gospel. So... <clears throat> I am curious, which came first for you? The interest in media, thereby leading you to the Daughters of St. Paul, or the Daughters of St. Paul, thereby leading you toward media? Ah, okay, a little vocation story here. <laughs> um, as I already mentioned, that I do watch, I did watch a lot of movies growing up with my dad, especially. Um, he loves movies. And- even still, when I go home and visit him, he's like, oh, great. What what new movies do you have? It's for me. <laughs> yes. um, so I've always been a lover of media, music. My, my family is a music family. We're a dancing family. Actually, my parents were dance instructors. Um, they were ballroom dancers when they met. So we always had music in our house. We, I would watch little movies. Um, and I've been a lover of books as well. I, I've just loved media uh, all my life. And every form of media that keeps coming out, you know, podcasts and and um, in social media, I, I'm just in it all. So I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. And there Home of the Exorcist of, story. What's that? Home of the Exorcist story. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of media... It was also called the Rome of the West because of how many religious orders and communities were there. And um, I think my family, we knew a lot of them. We visited a lot of nuns. Uh, We went to the cloister, Carmelites. And I remember the sisters behind the grail would say, uh, they'd see me along with my older sisters and a whole bunch of cousins, girl cousins, we're all together. We always hung out together. And they see all these young women, they'd be like, oh, don't you want to be home? And I'm going to be like, no, sister, no, please, no. <laughs> uh, you know, we knew the missionaries at charity. We worked with the poor. We helped the, all different kinds. I had teachers. Um, we knew sisters who worked in hospitals, all kinds of scenarios. I, we we met them all. 
But um, I just never felt impelled or, you know, the calling to follow religious life, even though my parents were always open to that. And it was always a possibility in our lives to consider religious life. But I, I just didn't feel that. I was I was into sports. I was playing soccer. I, you know, I was into my teen years. I, I was very involved. And and I loved my movies, music, and books. And um, so most of these religious, I was like, no, no, no. I, I like I like my movies. Um, it was the first time that I actually met the daughters of St. Paul, and it was because a cousin of mine, she drove to down, downtown St. Louis and saw that there was a Catholic book and media center and went in. And so it was run by nuns. And so she was like fascinated because she always thought of it becoming a nun since like the third grade. And mm -hmm. so they asked her if she would join uh, them for a like a come and see weekend, a retreat. And she said, great, yes. Can I bring all my cousins? And we're like, <laughs> oh, no, now we have to go because you told her, told them we're coming. She just said, oh, yeah, we're all going to come. So we we went. And I was like, begrudgingly. So I I remember myself. I'm like, oh, this is another thing we have to go to. <laughs> And I went and met, as soon as I walked in and I saw the Daughters of St. Paul, that they work with movies, music, and books and preach Jesus, I was like, hmm, now that's a different. <laughs> this is something I felt connected to. Like, this is, if any of the religious I've met, this would be it. But I still wasn't convinced that I was to be one, so... That took a couple more years and sisters calling me every month to say, come for a retreat and I'd find any excuse not to go. <laughs> but they were persistent. Um, but that is really what drew me to the, the Daughters of St. Paul. And not only the mission uh, of communicating the gospel, of being a communicator of Christ, um, but also the spirit with which they did it. And that was a communal spirit, a communal spirit of joy, which I always sensed from the sisters, this joy that they had in giving of themselves to communicate Christ. Um, and, and the spirituality, which was of our founder, Blessed James Elverione, who was considered by, he was called by uh, Pope John Paul II when he beatified him. In 2003, he called him the media apostle, the apostle of the new evangelization. And I always felt this deep connection to him almost immediately that he had this inspiration to use these means when the church wasn't using them. Right. He was going to use them to communicate the gospel. And I just, I just felt this immediate spark with him, connected to him. Um, and, and when I met the sister, so it really started that it started there because I've, I love media. I, I see it's, it's value. I love stories. I love storytelling. And that's what the daughters of St. Paul do. They use these means to communicate the gospel, but not only creating media, but also in media literacy, education, in, uh, media mindfulness and yeah. in, recognizing uh, that there is a theology of popular culture and we can understand it, we can learn it, we can see it, and we can communicate that. 
the Daughters of St. Paul have a number of different apostolates within their charism. So there are some sisters that do podcasts. There's a publishing house. There is a number of bookstores. Uh, you specifically are the director of the Pauline Center for Media Studies out in Culver City, California, other side of the country from the Mother House in Boston. Tell me, what is the specific thrust and charism of the, the Pauline Center for Media Studies? What would one gain from that institution? How could we? What are the benefits that we can uh, can enjoy from visiting the website or seeing the things that you have going on there? Sure. Well, we're really called uh, the Pauline Media Studies Center is really to uh, to eat, to bring people into dialogue with the culture, with the media culture, and we do that through education. Uh, through 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 media literacy education, uh, but infused with faith perspective. So we we call it media mindfulness catechesis, uh, which is really helping people to be column uh, missionary disciples, but within the culture today. Mm -hmm. uh, but we also bring out and help people to really discern and live well with media, uh, and and we do that. Through um, presentations and talks, we have online classes. Uh, we provide Cinema Divina guides that people could download about all different movies and use it with a group, or um, you know, especially in a parish group or just any prayer group can do that. Uh, we help people to understand that, um, and and we always blog about different aspects of theology and pop culture. So in in different TV shows and movies. In music, in um, social media, everything. <laughs> so uh, we we provide resources for teachers, catechists, ministers to be able to do this uh, to integrate the faith within their the popular media culture and help people to do that. So we call it the tool of media mindfulness catechesis, which we um, yeah, which we teach in all different ways. <laughs> online and in person. If someone were going to come and find specifically this apostolate of the Daughters of St. Paul uh, online, because of course, not all of us are going to drive out to Culver City. That's uh, right. Where, where, where on the, in the digital continent are we going to find the, the Pauline Center for Media Studies? You'd find it at the website bemediamindful.org. Bemediamindful.org. Um, and on there, there's many different resources. There's also a lot of different events because we provide uh, also all, all different kinds of events, mostly Cinema Divina type retreats, both in person and online. So people can join us from anywhere around the world for a Lenten Cinema Divina retreat, which is coming up actually on March 9th. Um, and they can find that on there. Uh, we do a national film retreat, which is an entire weekend. If they come in person uh, in Culver City, which people have traveled from different parts of the country to come to the in-person retreat, uh, we've watched five movies over a weekend and uh, and the nuns cook for you. <laughs> so, um, but it, we could do it online as well. Uh, but it's these opportunities to really pray. How do we pray with our media? Uh, we often don't think about that maybe, um, praying we call it praying the media, not just praying with media. We call it praying the media because we use the media and let the media, the messages to communicate to us, uh, like 
how the Holy Spirit may be communicating to us through those, through that media, through that film, through that TV series or whatever, or whatever we're watching together. Um, so a lot of those uh, opportunities are from on our website, bemediamindful.org. Okay. Let's return here as we come to a close to the specific Zoom retreat that this, uh, that, that, that I found on the website. Let me go scroll down to it again. I faith, there it is. I faith, what's God have to do with my media? So you've gone through one week already. It's on Tuesday evening. So you've got a, basically a, a day and a half to get registered for it so that you can go and participate in that 90 yes. minute Zoom session. What if someone is able to, uh, to sign up for that and join you on Tuesday? What should they expect to see in these coming three weeks? Well, we're going to be talking about, we're going to take a different form of media each week. Last week we did film. This week it's going to be a TV series. Um, next, the week after that is going to be social media. And then the fall, the last week will be video games. So we're going to take a different form of media and really delve deeply. This coming week will be how do we look at our media with a sacramental imagination? And what does that mean? And how do we do that? And what what does a sacramental lens, a sacramental worldview, um, help us to draw out more meaning uh, from a story because of the symbols and signs that we recognize within the storytelling? Uh, and it may be, maybe we see it differently, BF, because as the Catholics, we have this sacramental imagination already. We may see it, and it may not be something that the director necessarily puts there, um, but that it can give us a deeper sense and a deeper meaning uh, uh, to the story if we look at it with that sacramental vision. Uh, this next week, the week after that, with social media, we're going to talk about relationships, our relationships with each other, but also our relationship with God. Um, and what does social media have to say about that and how we're going to uh, delve a little deep, more deeply about that. And the last week is going to be virtues and how do we live virtuously with video games and and really delve into that and into making good moral choices based on how do we want to live uh, a happy life of balance and reason. How are we going to order our attention such that exactly you know, yes this this all would fall into this idea this concept of media mindfulness that you've been talking yes. about and of uh, I love this title of becoming cultural mystic so I want to touch <laughs> on that at the very end here uh, because the mystic is someone who can see in the ordinary everyday portion of life uh, the the full face of the divine yes. Right? So as you use that term, cultural mystic, uh, could you give us one, an example of what it means to be a cultural mystic in, in a, in a, I'm going to say a practical way, but the, the mystics aren't practical. So that's not necessarily the right way to say it. Um, well, what does it look like in, in a choice or in a decision? And then what does it look like? Is there a specific person that you can point to and say, here is the quintessential media mystic? Ooh. Actually, I never thought about that. Who is the quintessential media mystic? Uh, well, first of all, what it really means, an example of it would be um, 
bringing that lens of faith into our engagement with the culture. Um, like I had said before, it's not just that we engage with it. And sometimes we could just be, well, I want to be entertained. So we kind of just assume everything into us. And we don't realize how much it does influence our lives. We 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 think, oh, no, I, I can take or leave it, whatever. But it does influence our thoughts. It does influence our, our uh, desires. So we we have to be discerning. And I think a cultural mystic is really about bringing the lens of faith while being discerning about our media, but bringing that lens to look a little deeper. It is always about seeing what is, what are the desires of humanity that are being presented? How is the human person represented? So it's always about asking those questions. Does it support human dignity or not? Um, is it something that I find helpful for me, but also helpful uh, as a means or a tool for evangelization? So the lens that we bring really is our spiritual life. I mean, as a mystic, um, we have it means we have encountered God. We have encountered God in a profound way. And, and that's why our prayer life is so important. A continuous prayer life is important in order to engage the culture in this mystical sense uh, and in a mystical way, because we're always bringing what we see in the culture, those desires of humanity into our prayer experience with God. And say, you know, this this is what's going on in the culture. This is what are the issues that people are facing every day and the struggles that people are facing. Uh, Lord, I'm bringing all these to you. Mm. Now, what do you want of me in response? Uh, so it's it's a it's a two way experience. In one way, we're bringing our we're we're bringing our experience, our faith experience to the to the media artifact. But then we're taking that and bringing that into our prayer life. Mm -hmm. So it's a continual <laughs> um, cycle, I guess you could say. Yeah. Have I ever, um, who is a, 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 a mystic of the culture? Um, well, I would say the first person that would be the example for me would be a blessed James Alberione. I think he is someone who saw this need in the culture, uh, he saw in many ways he was trying. He saw what was bad about the culture and said, "We need to bring the gospel there mm -hmm. in that same culture." But I, I, he never talked about it in such a negative way. Yeah. Um, in other words, he would say, "Don't go out there and start protesting bad media." He would say, "Instead, pick up a camera. Yeah. Do something. Yeah. <laughs> Do something good then." And, and I think he had a very deep mystical experience. He had a profound experience with Christ, where Christ from the Christ from the Eucharist mm -hmm. um, really inspired him to do this mission in the church. Um, it all came from his relationship with Christ. Yeah. And I think he brings uh, he is he is the first to let say that the church needs to be there in the secular media culture, not just. Not just um, in its own little world of media, right. but in the secular world. And he was the first to say that. We've been talking today with Sister Nancy Esselman, director of the Pauline Center for Media Studies in Culver City, California. The uh, The sessions that she's doing this Lent is called I Faith, 
What's God have to do with my media? We've got a link so that you can register for those sessions over on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on threads. The handle is at step outside the walls. Sister Nancy, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you so much, Taylor. I really appreciate this. It's, it's been delightful speaking with you. If you missed any part of my conversation with Sister Nancy Esselman and you want to go back and listen to something again or to share it with your friends on social media, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. And while you're there, if you're looking for more, click the Patreon link there in the menu because there you will find extra segments that we record each and every week in gratitude for the support our Patreon support community gives to us. After about six months, those extra segments become available to the general public. So scroll through a couple of pages until you find the ones that are open and available and listen to something that you may have missed, some tangent, some interesting conversation with our previous guests. And then consider whether or not you want to be a part of that Patreon support community that receives those extra segments as soon as the episode airs each week. Now, let's go ahead and turn our attention to our readings from Scripture and from church history. That's the sound of the Verbum Library launching up. Verbum helps you read Scripture in light of church teaching by putting the magisterium at your fingertips, linking Scripture to the Catechism, to the Fathers and Doctors of the Church, and so much more. You can learn more over at Verbum.com. Today's reading from Scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. It's a selection out of the story of the prodigal son, which we'll have here in Mass in the near future. But I want to look at just a little bit of the passage because I want to point our attention to something specific. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them, Jesus addressed this parable. A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all of his belongings and set off to a distant country, where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. Now, you may be familiar with the story. If you're not, you can go find it in Luke chapter 15. I want to point our attention not at the content of the story, although it is impactful. Uh, We can all find ourselves in that story. But rather, I want to point to the fact that there is a story at all. So this is charged that the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This is a, a charge that comes up several times throughout the Gospels. In the Synoptic Gospels, we see it uh, after the calling of Matthew. Uh, as he leaves the tax collector's booth, he throws a party for all of his tax collector friends. And in response to that party where Jesus, having just called the one disciple, is being invited to all that person's friends— they say to uh, the, the same kind of thing. They say to Jesus, um, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? And at that point, there is no story. He just says, the well have no need for a physician, but the sick, saying that this is where I'm supposed to be because of who I am. This is appears quite a bit later 
uh, Luke 15, as opposed to early in the Gospels where the calling of the disciples sits. What's interesting to me about this is that of all the things that Jesus could have done, he who can read the hearts and minds of those who are bringing him their objections, he chooses a story. And not just any story, this is uh, quite a detailed story. This is a drama. He is investing into the characters and to the motivations of each of these players, not only through the initial conflict, but all the way through until the restoration. And so I want to point this out because I think so often we miss the fact that storytelling was a form of entertainment then, just as it is now. And the parables that Jesus told were means to tell and reveal heavenly truths through a tangible, understandable stories and concepts. And so too, I think that if we don't look at our stories and our media that way today, then we're missing potentially something quite profound. Uh, the, the thing that I want to point out today and encourage you as we are contemplating these powerful stories and these, these bridges to communication and conversion is to begin looking in the story. Where do you see Jesus and where do each of us fit in that story? Our reading today from church history is not too far back. We're going to go back all the way to 2009, where Pope Benedict XVI gave an address uh, to on, on the World Day of Communications. And in that, we read this. I would like to conclude with this message by addressing myself in particular to young Catholic believers to encourage them to bring the witness of their faith to the digital world. Dear brothers and sisters, I ask you to introduce into the culture of this new environment of communications and information technology the values on which you have built your lives. In the early life of the church, the great apostles and their disciples brought the good news of Jesus to the Greek and the Roman world. Just as at that time, a fruitful evangelization required that careful attention be given to understanding the culture and customs of those pagan peoples so that the truths of the gospel would touch their hearts and minds. So also today, the proclamation of Christ in the world of new technology requires a profound knowledge of this world if the technologies are to serve our mission adequately. It falls in particular to young people who have an almost spontaneous affinity for the new means of communication to take on the responsibility for the evangelization of this digital continent. Be sure to announce the gospel to your contemporaries with enthusiasm. You know their fears, their hopes, their aspirations, and their disappointments. The greatest gift you can give to them is to share with them the good news of a God who became man, who suffered died, and rose again to save all people. Human hearts are yearning for a world where love endures, where gifts are shared, where unity is built, where freedom finds meaning and truth, and where identity is found in respectful communion. Our faith can respond to these expectations. May you become its heralds. That reading comes from a message given by Pope Benedict XVI on the 43rd World Communications Day. And that's all the time we have for today. Today's show was brought to you by Lexi. And all of those who support the show through Patreon, go over to OutsideTheWalls.com. Click that Patreon link to learn more. 
Come on over to our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On threads, the handle is at step outside the walls. There you're going to find the registration information for Sister Nancy's Zoom retreat. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.